The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is going on? It is the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus back with you. We got a good one on tap for today. Jovan Buha of The Athletic will be joining us to chat about the Los Angeles Clippers' first two preseason games, his observations, and going forward, what we can expect from the Clippers. A lot of talking points. We'll talk about Zoo versus Ibaka because obviously Zoo was the main focus of our attention during the playoffs when he was not getting minutes over Montrez Harrell. Do we have another one of those situations that may be coming up later on in the season when Clippers fans are clamoring for Zoo to play only to see that he is with the second unit and not starting like it seems like Ibaka is going to be the starter. Very interesting. And I'll talk to Jovan about that because he's written about it so far in The Athletic a couple of times. If you have not subscribed to The Athletic, you should do so because he writes some incredible stuff. There is a hashtag that I'm sure will go trending at some point. Always read Yovan. He does a really nice job. So he'll be joining us to talk about the Clippers and the rotations and just in general the preseason and then going forward the regular season and covering the team during a pandemic and what that is going to be like. Before we get to Yovan, there is a little bit of housekeeping that I would like to to get to. First of all, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that this is a part of the Hoopball Podcast Network. And at Hoopball, we've got a couple things for you that you want to take advantage of. First of all, it's the Bruise Letter. What is the Bruise Letter? It's free, first of all. Yes, you heard me free. The Bruise Letter is back for a second year. This is when Aaron Bruski, our finder, our founder, pardon me, writes an email newsletter filled with the most intimate fantasy nuggets. He talks about every single team, has nuggets for every team, talks about his team a little bit greater length in the Sacramento Kings. Exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else, too. It's not on the website. You can't go find it by searching on hoop-ball.com. No, it goes straight to your inbox. That's it. It's not on a podcast, not on social media. All you have to do is go to something very easy. You ready? Just go to B-I-T-L-Y slash Bruise Letter 2021 and sign up in 10 seconds. Again, the site is B-I-T-L-Y. That's bit.ly, B-I-T-L-Y slash Bruise Letter 2021. Aaron Bruski, straight to your inbox. Enjoy it. Thank me later. Of course, one more thing. The Fantasy Pass. Hoopball is a great website. We know that. So what can we do to help you? We have a fantastic deal right now. The best deal in fantasy is here at HoopBall. You see subscriptions, they're really expensive. Not the case here with the Fantasy Pass. It's just $4.99 a month. It gets you the entire draft guide, so you can go and nail your draft. Because I know some of you are going $25 leagues, $50 leagues, $100 leagues. It's just $4.99 a month, and it's going to be worth it. The Brewski 150, Brew does an incredible job with that. He's nailed some big ones recently. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Chris Paul, he does a tremendous job. Our DFS Pass is in there. Yep, you can go and play DFS every single night, only $4.99 a month. So if you want to go and enter a $2 contest every night, a $1 contest, or maybe occasional $5 contest, you may make your money back in one night. So the DFS pass, the entire draft guide, the Brewski 150, and all in-season fantasy tools. It's nuts, all that we're giving you. 
$4.99. Cook yourself dinner tonight instead of ordering delivery, and you can afford the Fantasy Pass for half a year. So please do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com. Click on the Fantasy Pass ad just below the main media wall. All right, enough of me. Let's go ahead. Let's talk with Jovan Buha. You read his work in The Athletic, and he just does tremendous work. I mean, this is a guy that works his tail off to get you all the information from inside the team and covers this team really like nobody else that does cover any team in the NBA. Also has some of the best shoes and hair in the game. Jovan Buha, what's up, man? What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. Of course. Great to have you back. Uh, the Clipper season is about to start. I never thought we'd be sitting here on December, I don't know, whatever, what day it is, the uh, 14th, and thinking that we're going to have basketball in a week. But here we are, and it's just a couple months removed from the Lakers winning the title, and the Clippers are about to start their season. Before we get into anything really detailed, what's the vibe kind of like? Because it seems like it's very strange from the outside that the season's actually starting. I mean, does it seem like from what you've noticed that guys are engaged and they're like, all right, it's here, we're ready to go? Um, it, it, it seems that way outside of the Clippers actually playing. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, the two losses and the garbage that we've seen, but preseason um, basketball, man. I mean, I, yeah, I, I would say uh, based on the quotes that have you know we, we've seen on these Zoom calls, um, what people have been saying, it, it seems like, uh, you know, Ty, you know, is pushing all the right buttons in terms of, um, you know, I, I think the offense has looked better, um, in, uh, the, the, the two, I wouldn't even call them two games, two like halves, uh, for, for the Clippers. Um, and, and specifically with the starters, you know, I, I think the bench they're they're still trying to figure out their identity and, um, we, we know it's going to be a lot of lose zoo pick and roll, but. Um, you know, there's a lot of new pieces just overall with this group. Um, so I think that they're still figuring that out, but I feel like everyone's saying the, the, the right stuff. Um, you know, the, there has been accountability and ownership on what happened last season, um, and, and trying to move on from that and learn from it. And then there's also been talk about moving on and, and, and kind of putting that behind them and focusing on this season. And I, I do feel like, um, just from the, you know being at the two games and, and seeing the team go through layup lines and, and be in timeouts and stuff, it, it does feel like everyone is more engaged. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, of course, that part of that is just it's a new season, and um, you know, I think motivation is always highest coming into a season, and it's, it's about sustaining that, you know, especially um, as you hit adversity and stuff. But I do feel like the, the Clippers have been have visually looked more on the same page to me. And, and uh, again, I think, you know, looking serious in, in their layup lines and, and, and every time there's a timeout, everybody's huddled up and everybody's tuned in, uh, which wasn't always the case last season. So uh, again, it's early that can change and um, they haven't really faced any adversity yet, but uh, I, I do think that, you know, from what we've seen, they, they do look more locked in and like they're taking things more seriously than I think they did at this point last season. That's good because it's really hard to just get straight into it after. I mean, frankly, first of all, we're in a pandemic. Second of all, it's one of those things where they were in the bubble for so long and they go home to friends and family and who knows how much they're actually working out. And then you go and they, I think they had their first official practice. What was it? A week, a week ago, Sunday. So eight days ago was, I think their first official day of training camp or something like that. So it's like, they haven't been with, each other for very long and 
Initially, it was small groups that were working out. So it's tough to get straight into it because the season, before you know it, is basically a week away. So I feel like it's hard to get straight into it. So it's good to hear that you're saying that it does seem like they're engaged. You mentioned something that I kind of want to ask you more about. You said that the offense looks better. Let's not forget that the Clippers had such a good offense last year. So I'm curious to get detail-wise, why do you think it is better? In, in what areas does it seem to have been improved? Well, I, I think the process is better. Um, okay. Obviously, the results, as you said, last season, they, they were number two in offense. They were number two in net rating. Um, it, it is hard to go up from that. Um, but I, I did feel like last season, um, you know, I think th- this team at its worst was very ISO heavy um, and, and very mid-range heavy. And they had the personnel to get away with that in, in Kawhi and, and PG and Lou, um, as well as obviously the, the Lou Trez pick and roll, which was um, ba- basically the the heart of the bench offense. But um, I just felt like there, there wasn't much off-ball movement. And, I, you know, overall, I felt like the, the offense just was pretty stagnant. And um, I think looking at, you know, and again, it's been glimpses because I, I think it's mainly been with the starters and, and not as much with the bench. And the starters, I think, have played something like, you know, six, eight minutes a game together. Um, I feel like there, there's been better flow and, and off the ball you, you've seen, um, you know, running like double staggers for, for PG and um, kind of, you know, screen the screener stuff. And, and, and I think Serge Ibaka brings a different element to the starting lineup that, you know, now they can go five out. And now you've seen, um, I thought, especially in that first game, where you had Trez, who, who's a, a drop big and, and someone who plays closer to the paint defensively, um, you know, where, where he kept dropping back and, and Abaka was wide open. And you're going to see that, I think, time and time again um, against most starting centers, um, you know, unless it's a very mobile, um, you know, versatile, switchy defender, you know, someone like an Anthony Davis. Um, I think, you know, most bigs are going to drop and, and leave Abaka open for three. Um, and he's become a really quality three-point shooter the last few years. So um, I think overall, just you know, it, it's just been more the process of the the offense is, is flowing better. I think you now have more playmaking wings and, and Luke Kennard and uh, Nicholas Batum, and those guys have been kind of up and down in these games. But I think just their ability to pass, to, to handle the ball, to, to playmake a little bit, um, that just you know is another thing that this team didn't really have last season. Because I, I kind of look at um, you know, th- their comparisons to, um, or from, from last season's team, you know, uh, Rodney Magruder and, and Landry Shamit. And, and I think both guys are upgrades, you know, as overall players, but specifically as ball handlers, playmakers, um, you know, passers. So, um, I think overall just the, the offense, they still haven't fully solved some of the, the playmaking issues. And, um, I'm sure we will see in the regular season, some of the same issues that happened last season, um, but overall, I think they have better shooting, they have better floor spacing, uh, and they just have better overall movement. Um, so I think that's where I'm, I'm most excited to see what Ty does this season, because I think that's where he's the biggest upgrade uh, over Doc. Yeah, I hate ISO ball. I mean, whenever you have ISO ball, it just ends up in just bad shots, hero shots. It stops the offense. It stops the flow. And that's an easy way to all of a sudden see yourself. Um, on the back end of a 12 to nothing run or something like that. And, and that type of play just completely kills a team. So I'm glad to hear that. You mentioned Zoo. I, I want to get into something and I'm going to get out in front of it before it becomes a talking point later in the season. It, it's one of the most fascinating things to me. I did not expect Ibaka to be a starter, 
but all of a sudden we've seen he is in there with the starters in the first two games. And you wrote about it in your piece about one of the observations you've noticed so far in the first two preseason games at the Baca. And you mentioned obviously his three point shooting and the different dimension he brings to the offense. But we were clamoring for Zoo all postseason because of his defense and how this is a guy that needs to play 30 minutes. You cannot bring in somebody that will steal Zoo's minutes. You cannot have Trez back because you'll be forced to play a guy like Trez for 15 minutes longer than you may want to. Well, here you go. You get an upgrade of Trez and Ibaka, and he enters the starting lineup, and all of a sudden you have Zoo go to the second unit. I know that obviously the defense will improve with the second unit with Zoo in there. But are we going to be talking about this again later in the season, how Zoo should be with the starters? Because it seems like we were talking about it for so long, how we want Zoo to play big minutes, and now is his opportunity, and then Ibaka comes. Read into it what you will, but what do you think about it? Like, what the hell is going on with you want to have this guy pee the focal point in the starting center, and then all of a sudden now he's the bench center? it's at first I didn't really get it and and I I'm still trying to rationalize it. Um, I I think my bigger issue with it is that, you know, I I think at at this point in their careers, um, Serge Ibaka is the better player. And I I do think he is a better player than Montrez Harrell. He's a more modern fit. You know, he's a better shooter. He's a better rebounder. He's a better defender. Um, So, Overall, like, you know, I I think the issue last season, you know, unless you were closely following the team, most, you know, people around the league or or just casual people, uh, you know, casual fans would have said Trez was better than Zoo. Right. But but obviously, if you if you were watching the games and you saw Zoo's impact, um, I think most people, you know, that that followed the team closely would would have said the opposite, that that Zoo is better. So um, this season, I, I think it's a little bit different because Abaka can do a lot of what zoo can do you know he he's a good screener uh he, he can block shots he can protect the rim he, he's actually more versatile and switchy defensively then he's better offensively you know he's, he's coming off averaging career high 15.4 points a game he was a 39 percent three-point shooter the last couple of years so like he he is you know i would say better overall like i'm, I'm you know uh, i know i'm a big zoo guy but I'm, I'm not gonna um deny that uh, my my bigger thing is that I, I think when looking at how they fit with both groups, Zoo is a better fit with the starters than he is with the bench, where Abaka is versatile enough to, to fit well with either one. So I, I do think that while I really like the fit with Abaka and, and the starters, and I, I do see how dangerous that group could be, because, again, I think you are plugging in a lot of what Zoo can do and then adding even some more stuff with, with Abaka's shooting – um, t- to me, it kind of compromises the bench a little bit where um, I don't think that's the best use of Zoo. I-, I think already you have some spacing issues with the bench. Um, and-, and now, again, we don't know what, what Ty's going to do as far as the-, the full rotation. You know, we don't know if he's going to kind of platoon it like, like Doc did or, or maybe he's going to integrate uh, the-, the starters in the bench and always have a Kawhi or, or a PG on the floor and, um, you know, try to try to balance the shooting better. But if he does go with a bench lineup and it is something like, you know, Lou, Zoo, uh, Batum, Kennard, and then like Reggie or, or Pat Pat or, or Terrence, like that group does not have a lot of shooting and there isn't a lot of guys you're necessarily going to respect offensively. So I think adding another guy in Zoo who's paint bound, who, who does need someone to set him up, I just think that really cramps that group's offense. And then 
defensively, it's not that good of a group. So yes, Zoo will help them. But that, that's where I look at Ibaka and I'm like, okay, at least if you're putting Ibaka with the bench, he, he can pick and pop with Lou. He's going to space the floor when he doesn't have the ball. And, you know, he, he is versatile enough defensively to, to help that unit, I think, in a lot of ways that, that Zoo would. So I, I just think overall, you know, Zoo is not as clean of a fit with the bench. I, I think when you look at these kind of more traditional plotting centers, they tend to fit better with starting units and then not play as much w- with the bench. Like you, you've seen that kind of big, you know, decline, even be a to you know, call it a token starter or whatever. Like that guy usually doesn't come off the bench. So I, I do think that um, overall for, for the, you know, the betterment of the team, I think it just makes more sense to start zoo. But I, I guess I get what Ty, where, where he's coming from with like, this is maybe our best possible lineup. Like Abaka is a better player than zoo. He should start. And who knows? Maybe that was a promise with Ibaka and free agency, you know, maybe that was a, you know, he, he came off the bench in Toronto, but I, I don't think he was the biggest fan of that. So, so maybe, you know, the, the Clippers promised him, Hey, if you come here, we'll, we'll start you. Um, but to, to me again, you know, and I think we're in agreement here. Like it, it just makes more sense to start zoo. I think you compromise him, his value a little bit, bringing him off the bench. Um, unless you really are going to stagger and not have a bench unit. Um, to me, it doesn't make as much sense. Yeah. You summed up my feelings, mean to the T. I mean, it really is something that confuses me in the way you're developing this guy and you want to have him with better players and the starters and not have all of the pressure on him to carry a second unit defensively because obviously he does cover up some of the mistakes that a guy like Lou Williams makes. And that's one of the benefits to having him in the second unit. But you put him in the first you put him with the starters with guys like Kawhi and PG and Beverly and Marcus Morris when he's healthy and you have a lot of scorers around him and he just has to do the job defensively to protect the paint and he just seemed to work well with that group last year. I mean, we saw the numbers. The numbers don't lie and it's something mm-hmm. that was so confusing to us during the postseason is that the numbers are right there in front of Doc Rivers to not play Montrez Harrell and to play Zoo and he didn't do it. So now I worry you go down this path of no return where you start Ibaka, you give him more minutes, and all of a sudden you're only playing Zoo 16 minutes a game, 20 minutes a game, where that's exactly the opposite of what you wanted coming into the season. And you bring up good points in terms of what he does with the spacing and the ability to shoot the three and the pick and pop and PG saying how nice it is to have that stretch five and it's not something he's had throughout his entire career. But I do worry, Yovan, that let's say Lou Williams gets hurt. God forbid Lou Williams gets hurt. What is that second unit going to look like offensively? I mean, and the thing is, you can go ahead and switch Ibaka and Zoo, but then you have chemistry issues perhaps with a bench unit. I would hope that what you're saying in terms of staggering Kawhi and PG does happen. I have said also that I wouldn't be surprised if Marcus Morris, for example, is thrown in there with the second unit because basically the second unit plus Marcus Morris would be what the Knicks was like before he was traded to the Clippers. And I think that's definitely a benefit to having a guy like Marcus Morris. He's used to being the focal point of an offense, which could help. But I don't know, man. It it just seems like this is something that you were building upon for so long to get to this as Zoo as a starting center, and you go and take two steps forward, and now you're taking like five steps back, it seems like, in my opinion. Well, uh, another thing that, um, you know, I I think has to be factored in here is – you know, Kawhi has a, a pre-existing relationship with Serge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they obviously have a friendship. Uh, again, I, I think it, it's very plausible that Serge, you know, a condition 
in him choosing them versus choosing another team, uh, you know, because they, they only gave him the the non-taxpayer MLE, like, you know, multiple teams, um, you know, contending level teams or, or just, you know, good playoff teams could have paid him that, you know, he, he could have gone elsewhere. Obviously, he wanted to be in L.A., he wanted to be with Kawhi, but, um, you know, I, I'm just wondering if, you, and, and this isn't anything I've heard, it's just kind of speculation, like, maybe he was promised a starting job and, and, and this is, you know, part of that deal. Um, and then, you know, another, another thing was that I thought what was interesting, um, yesterday, uh, or, you know, rather last night with, with Lou, uh, Lou and zoo and, 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 you know, talking about their, their pick and roll chemistry, mm-hmm. um, you know, Lou mentioned his hands and, and how zoo has kind of been struggling to, to catch the ball and it's something he needs to improve on. And like, they've talked about it and, that's stuff that like Kawhi and PG talked about last year as well. And I, I, you know, part of me wonders maybe the, the veteran ball handlers, you know, specifically Kawhi, PG, Lou, like don't have as much confidence in zoo. Mm -hmm. Um, and and, you know, that's something that he kind of has to continue to build with them because, uh, you know, looking at, you know, everyone's been talking about Ibaka shooting, but he's actually been finishing really well and, and had some, some nice pick and roll, um, moments as a roller with, with Paul George and, um, you know, if you look at how, how he's been scoring, a lot of it has been around the rim and the paint um, and, and, and catching and finishing. So um, that's something that I think people don't talk about enough with, with Serge. He's actually a really good finisher. Um, you know, he is he is big. He, he's athletic. He's long. Um, he, he can finish around guys. So um, I, I wonder if, you know, just at this point, the Clippers are kind of prioritizing, hey, you know, this guy is the better player at this point. He, he can do a lot of what this guy can do just better. Um, and are, you know, other guys on this roster already trust him more. Um, so, you know, as frustrating as that can be for, uh, you know, as an observer and knowing how good zoo is and, and how good he can be, um, with the position the Clippers are in, you know, maybe they are kind of prioritizing that. And I, I'm more okay with that than like, had they brought back Trez and, and started Trez, like you yeah. know, th- that to me would have been like a flawed, um, line of thinking. And, you know, I, I think he's, he's clearly not a, a starting level center. Uh, but uh, Ibaka, you know, again, I think at this point is better than Zoo. It's just more about the fit between the two units. And, and you know, I, I think Zoo fits better with the starters. I, I just think, you know, he makes more sense there than off the bench. Yeah, and, and I agree. And, and we'll see. It, you bring up a good point with his hands. And it's something I noticed, actually, that was very obvious in the first game, that he was getting a lot of passes that were right underneath the basket and they were going through his hands. And that's something that he did not have happen last year. And there was a big emphasis last year about how good his hands were and how bad his hands were the year before that. And so clearly you noticed the step forward last year, and it does seem like he's taken a little bit of a step back this year. Hopefully it's just rust in something that he's able to improve upon as the season goes on. Where do you think the happy place is with minutes with Ibaka and with Zoo, and do you think they play together? I mean, do you think it's 24 each? Do you think it's 28 and 20? Um, I mean, and do you think they do play together? I, I think they will play together. Um, you know, I, I think that a, you know, actually <laughs> could be something we see opening night. Um, you know, I, I think they they do make sense against the Lakers. Um I don't think there are many teams they make sense against, you know, off the top of my head, like Lakers and Denver are are the two teams I've thought of that play, you know, two kind of more plotting bigs. I mean, obviously AD isn't plotting, but, um, you know, that's where you'd you'd probably put Abaka on AD and and then you'd put Zoo on on Trez or Marcus Gasol. And then if the Lakers downsize, go 
you know, Marquis or, or LeBron at the four, then you, you sub Zoo out. Same thing with Denver, where you, you probably put Zoo on Jokic, and then you could put Ibaka on Millsap or, or Green. And then if they go smaller with like Porter, uh, Porter Jr., then you know you, you take one of those two out. But um, you know, I think when they you know face two uh, again, you know, two big man tandems like those are the instances you might see them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the fit makes. I mean, in a lot of ways. You know, Serge, uh, I, I know a lot of people compare him to, to Trez and kind of like Trez's replacement. But to me, he's almost like he, he's more similar to Jermichael and he could just do everything, you know, Jermichael did, but but better. And, you know, that was something I, I think we were disappointed in last season that we didn't get to see much zoo Jermichael because, uh, you know, Doc was so tied to uh, having Jermichael play with Trez and Lou that he didn't get to play as much with Zoo. But I, I thought that was a really clean fit, you know, especially defensively. Um, so I, I do think in certain matchups, Ibaka has the mobility to defend fours. Um, you know, I, I think one thing that gets lost with him is he has lost some of that athleticism. And if you look at the game, you know, kind of logs on, on basketball reference the last couple of years, like he has predominantly been a five. You know, he has transitioned from a four to a five. Um, so, you know, I, I don't expect him to play a lot at the four this season. Uh, but I do think there are matchups where it makes sense. As far as the minutes breakdown, um, you know, Abaka has been trending down minutes wise. Um, you know, last year he, he only played 27 minutes a night, which was, I, I think, his fewest since his second year in the league. So I, I do think with the condensed schedule, w- with the team being very cautious with their players um, and with him being 31, you know, you, you could see him maybe in that like 25 range, tw- 25, 26, you know, maybe a slight dip. Um, and, and then for Zoo, I think. You know, I was looking at him as like a 24, 25 minute a night guy. Maybe they play, you know, two to three minutes a night on average. Uh, but I do think that's going to drop a little bit, you know, with, with him coming off the bench. I just don't see him playing as much as if he was a starter. So I see him maybe in that like 21 to 23 minute range. And um, you, you kind of have that clean split there where, you know, maybe a Bacchus 25, Zoo is 22 or 23. Maybe you have like one minute or something where that, that's going to like Marcus or, or fee or, or someone at the five, but um, it, it's going to be tough. And, you know, I, I think one thing that, that will kind of boost the minutes is we know that guy, you know, guys are going to have absences because of COVID uh, because of injuries, um, you know, and, and who knows, maybe the Clippers end up uh, load managing some of the veterans, like already lose barely played in preseason. He's only, he's played 12 total minutes. Um, so, you know, maybe Lou or, or Pat or surge or, or resting games here and there along with Kawhi. Um, so, you know, in those, you know, games that Ibaka's out, uh, Zoo ends up playing 28, 30 minutes uh, a night or something. So I think there are ways to kind of balance it out and, and get Zoo, um, you know, more minutes. But overall, I, I do think him moving to the bench, uh, it does not bode well for his, his long-term projection in, in terms of minutes this season. All right, let's take a quick break. Let's talk about our friends at my bookie, folks. It is just unbelievable what my bookie has in store for us. I know that some of you like gambling, some of you don't. Some of you don't quite know what to do when it comes to gambling. MyBookie.ag has you covered. Whether you are a newbie or you are someone that's been in the game for a while. Odds boosts, lightning deals, free bets, they await you all season long. The NFL playoffs are right around the corner. We know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of. It's not difficult to find some value in lines. Not at all. Whether you want to go and take an underdog 
or maybe even as a favorite that tickles your fancy. Our guys at Hoopball Gaming will help you as well. So whether you want to do it on your own or you want some help from the guys at Hoopball Gaming, mybookie.ag is where they make it easy for you. It doesn't even need to be games. I know you want to bet on the NFL maybe, Premier League, NBA. You also can go classic table, slot games, card games, anything you can see at your local spot. They've got you covered in this fully-fledged casino platform. The best part is, my bookie, the doors never close. You continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play. Sign up today at my bookie. When you do, use the promo code HOOPBALL to get your deposit matched halfway all the way up to $1,000. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you're already playing to bet this season, this is free betting money it's winning season at my bookie so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it back to Yovan. you mentioned fee and you mentioned another guy obviously terrence mann we've discussed before and it's something that's interesting to me and i feel like as someone that's been following the clippers for a long time it's something that frustrates me as a clippers fan it does seem like the clippers in the draft just continue to really strike out there i mean they obviously got sga and they ended up trading for him on draft night. But apart from that, you have to go back, I feel like, all the way to 2010 to find a player that really did seem like a rotation player in Al Farouk Aminu for the Clippers. Do you think that one of these guys actually becomes someone that the Clippers can rely on, whether it's Fee or Terrence Mann? Not this season. Um, I do think maybe it's Terrence. Um, You know, I, I, I... he hit, I believe it was this, this past game, he hit that three off the dribble, which looked pretty clean. You know, one thing with his shot has just been kind of the release and, and how slow it is and um, just not really having that, like, clean flow to it. Um, so I guess Terrence would, would be my guess. Like, you know, Jay Scrub, obviously, um, you know, is going to be out a few months. And, and him being a two-way guy, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't even know if he ends up playing this season or at least playing, you know, with the actual 15 man roster. Um, Then you you have uh, Oturo who um, to me, you know, flashed a couple moves offensively. Um, You know, again, it's, it was against the Lakers third string unit and, and um, you know, it's preseason, but uh, I feel like, you know, he's someone that maybe a couple years from now could end up being a rotation guy, depending on how his development goes. Uh, so really, we're looking at Terrence and Fee here. And, uh, you know, with, with Fee, I think his shot looks quicker, um, you know, and, and that's something that's going to be important uh, because I, I think for him to earn minutes, he's going to have to hit threes at, you know, league average or, or above rate. He's also going to have to, you know, defend pick and rolls and, and defend the rim well, uh, which he hasn't shown he can do yet. So, I mean, I just I don't really see the, the pathway to minutes for him because already, you know, we're, we're talking about Serge and, and Zoo, who in a perfect world are guys getting, you know, 26, 28, closer to 30 minutes, um, you know, all, all things being equal. Um, so you, you kind of already have a minute squeeze with those two. And then I, I don't think there's anything that's shown that Fee can play the four yet. Um, you know, maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, but but that, that was why the Oturo pick was kind of weird for me was was just if you look at the, the strengths and the weaknesses um, of, you know, fee scouting report and, and Otoro scouting report, they're very similar, you know, you know, similar sizes, um, kind of like fives and like a fours body, 
and you know just kind of again similar strengths and weaknesses and it was, it was a little confusing to me why they drafted Otoro when you had just drafted Fee and they project so similarly so um I, I would say you know as I've written like I think the one blemish on the front office's track record of, over these last few years has been the draft um you know you, you mentioned all, going all the way back to 2010 like you know some of that is not out on this front office like they, they didn't draft uh trey tompkins and, and you know uh travis leslie like different guys so right I, you know i'm just looking at the last three years um you know it, it has been very up and down and, and mainly down and, and really uh, aside from shay who um you know had top 10 talent but ended up falling to them you can make the case like that they've busted on all their picks that's what i'm um, saying man i mean apart from uh, you, obviously it wasn't this this group with uh, lawrence frank but I mean, it, it seems like they really have hit or missed, rather, on every single pick. I mean, you even go to 2016, where Bryce Johnson, everyone was like, oh, this is going to be a guy that can, he's a 3 and D. This is exactly what the Clippers need. CJ Wilcox was whatever, Reggie Bullock, another one, where they went, oh, another 3 and D. It seems like Bryce Johnson and Reggie Bullock, I mean, guys from North Carolina, it seems like they just continue to miss. And there are other teams that I feel like are not missing every single year. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and uh, you know what, it, it kind of looked like also for, for a second that um, they were, you know, they, they were in that 2017-18 season, like they were kind of the first ones to um, really use two-way contracts and like embolden, um, you know, as Ty Wallace and, and um, uh, I'm blanking on CJ, CJ Williams was his name, um, you know, so you had, you had Ty Wallace, CJ Williams, um, you know, guys who were, were getting minutes, uh, you know, off of two-way contracts, and it looked like, okay, maybe this is going to be a thing for the Clippers. But since then, it, it's kind of been the rest of the league who, who's been finding these, like, two-way gems. And the Clippers, I mean, you know, I, I like Amir Coffey. Um, Jonathan Motley obviously, like, never became uh, of anything. Um, but, but, you know, I, I do think when looking at their track record over the last several years, I think the two weak points have been the draft and then identifying, you know, kind of underutilized or, or overlooked talent uh, across the league. Like they're not the Miami heat or the Toronto Raptors. Um, you could also say player development, but, but that's more, I think on the coaching staff than the front office Yeah, that's um, fair. in terms of, you know, the, the front office doesn't develop the talent. It, it is the coaching staff. So I, I would, would have put that more on doc on his staff, but I do think looking at, you know, this is a team that, that could benefit from having, you know, finding talent like Miami can or, or like Toronto can or, or Brooklyn or some of these other teams that have just found these undrafted, you know, or second round picks that, that get passed around. And um, like the Clippers haven't really they've had guys who've had like little moments here and there again, like a Ty Wallace or, or even a mirror last year had, had a couple moments, but not guys who are like legitimate top eight top nine rotation players um so i i do think it, it's something that's interesting like you know another thing like i almost wish they were more like okc and and that um you know okc kind of has a type of they always draft like the athletic wing or or big who has all this potential um if they could ever develop their skill set but but you know they they usually end up not developing it but like it's at least like a young, promising, interesting player. Like the Clippers haven't really drafted that type. If you know, if you look back at all the names you just mentioned, it's guys who are like juniors and seniors in college and, and were like 21, 22 um, and, and came in and, and didn't have much potential 
or, or were billed as, as NBA ready and then weren't NBA ready. And, and that's the thing. And that was kind of like the fee pick. Like fee was supposed to be NBA ready. And if you watched his 200 whatever minutes last year, he was not NBA ready. Um, and, and, you know, it was such a short term around. We don't know if he's NBA ready, but um, it, it is a little bit concerning. And it is something that, you know, I, I do have faith overall in the front office. And I, I think that, you know, they are always evaluating their moves and what they're doing right and wrong. And I think this is something they're going to have to figure out and work on because, um, again, you know, I, I thought it was kind of a similar thing in this draft where they draft this like NBA ready prospect that doesn't really have a clear role on the team. And it's unclear what, what their actual like potential is. And um, there were several guys who, who ended up going after Oturo who were who projected to go in the first round in, in the 20s and and they passed on. So, um, you know, those are going to be the guys that he gets compared to, you know, a couple of years from now when we're looking back at this. So I'm not to, to go back to your original question. Like, I, I guess Terrence maybe can, can be the 10th man on this team if he can hit threes at a decent rate. But. I don't know if he can do that. And, and you know, aside from that, um, I, I don't really have much confidence in the young guys, at least this season. Maybe, you know, next season or, or two seasons from now that they show more development and, and growth. But based on what we, we know going into the preseason uh, and, and regular season, like I, I don't think they're there yet. Yeah, I worry for the second unit if Lou does get hurt or misses games. I'm just not sure where the scoring is going to come from. Uh, let's get to season predictions. How do you think this team does? Uh, because once again, it seems like they are probably a top two team in the Western Conference with the Lakers. Um, I, I would tend to believe that the team that you see today is not going to be the team that you see once the trade deadline is over. I think that they'll recognize that something needs to change. Um, I don't know what it is yet, but we'll obviously have to see. I mean, we went into last season thinking they need a point guard and they need a big man, and they didn't get either. So uh, I'm curious to see what this team looks like. How do you think they do, and, and can this team win an NBA title? Uh, th- th- they can win. Um, I'm going to temper my expectations, um, you know, because last year I, I didn't – I was actually more down on them in the regular season. Um, I think I did like several preseason um, podcasts and, and radio hits and, and um, you know, just different writings. And I think I, I was – uh, putting them like three through five in the West. I, I just felt that with Kawhi's load management with PG entering the season, um, you know, not healthy. And, and just, I, I thought they were actually going to rest Lou and Pat a, a little bit more last season. Um, I, I figured that, you know, this team is, is probably going to be, have the talent of, of the one or two seed, but end up somewhere three through five. That was, you know, wrong. Uh, they they <laughs> finished, you know, as the two seed and, and, and frankly, that was like in, in spite of all these injuries and, and had they had normal health last year, um, I think maybe they do push the Lakers for the one seed. Um, I think this year I, I'm looking at probably the two seed again. Um, I think it, it's probably going to be the, the Lakers again as the one seed and, and the Clippers as two. Um, and then I guess right now, if I had to predict with the current roster, I, I would peg them as losing in the conference finals to the Lakers. I, I do think that the Lakers have the best team and, and should be the favorites again. Um, that can change. I, I do think that there are, you know, well, I, I think the Lakers got better. I, I think they match up worse with the Clippers right now than they did last season. Yeah. And the defense uh, you know, is I, I worse felt, too. Yeah. The de- I mean, I think the defense has gone worse and I, I felt like last season, 
JaVale and Dwight, um, even though they didn't play much uh, against the Clippers, like, you know, the, the Lakers ended up kind of downsizing a bit and going with like the AD Morris pairing more, especially in that like bubble game. Um, th- those guys were just so big and, and long that it felt like the, the Clippers, it always took them like a court, like, I don't know if you remember, but like, it felt like all four games, the Lakers got out to like a big first quarter lead. And it was like the Clippers were adjusting to their length and, and trying to figure out how to attack them. And like, I think it was like the Christmas game where they had like five blocks in the first quarter. And it was just like the Lakers looked huge compared to the Clippers. And, and that looked like a problem. Um, that's not going to be the case this year. I mean, they still have Anthony Davis. They still have LeBron. But Marcus Solon and Montrezl Harrell are different bigs. Um, so I, I do think that while the Lakers maybe got better overall, they probably match up worse with the Clippers or, or just don't have as many advantages against the Clippers as they did. Um, so, so that to me bodes well for the Clippers um, in a potential Lakers matchup. I, I just think as currently constructed, um, you know, I, I do think with what LeBron and AD did in the playoffs, like if they can get back to that level or even close to it, um, that on, you know, on paper is better than, than Kawhi and PG. And, and, um, you know, a, a lot of it depends on, on what level PG is at, you know, if he can get back to that OKC top 10 level, I, I do think the Clippers c- can push them and, and maybe win. And of course, there's always the variables of health. And, um, so I, I'm with you. I, I think the Clippers are going to make a move by the trade deadline. I, I'd be shocked if Pat and Lou are both on the team. I, I think they are going to end up trading one of them. Um, and, and they are going to make some type of move that probably improves the roster. And, and maybe that changes my tone where I make them the favorites. But, um, I, you know, I do want to temper some expectations going into this season, right? I, you know, they were, uh, people were, were, you know, I think kind of losing their minds with, with the fantasy of the, of the team. And, and we did see that team for stretches and they were really good. Um, but I, I you know, I'm going to temper my expectations, um, I do think they can win the title. Uh, you know, I, I think there's probably only four or five teams that can win it, and they are in that list. Um, but I, I do think there are some concerns. And, and you know, unless they do make the right move, um, you know, around the trade deadline, um, I, I would probably put them second or third right now in, in like my power rankings, and you know, would would pick my number one team right now. Yeah. It's whoever stays healthy, whoever stays healthy, whoever avoids COVID and whoever handles this year, the best. I think my one hope for the Clippers is that their team chemistry is good because last year was a mess. You detailed it throughout the season. Um, it was an absolute mess in the locker room. And m- my hope is that these guys mesh well on the floor because that's one thing the Lakers had last year. Each guy knew their role. They were happy about it. They had no complaints. They seemed to love playing together. The bench was going crazy for each other. It just seemed like that's one thing that I really hope happens with this Clippers team, whether it's the one seed, it's the three seed. That's all I want to see, Yovan. I mean, I, I personally think that the chemistry is going to be better. I think that Serge Ibaka is a huge, you know, that, that, that's another thing with, with him. It's it's not just the on-the-court value and, and fit and how good he is, I, I think. I think he he's a connector. You know, he, he's someone that if you see his personality, uh, he, he's a guy who will, um, you know, uh, make fun of people and, and keep everybody on their toes. And, um, you know, he, he's pretty much the only teammate we, we've seen get Kawhi out of his shell publicly. Um, so if you can do that, if you can infiltrate Kawhi, you, you can infiltrate, um, you know, a Pat Bev or a Lou Williams. And I, I do view, like, I, I felt like the Clippers didn't have that guy last year. Like if you really look back at last year's locker room, um, 
they didn't have that kind of funny jokester uh, guy who keeps everybody loose. Like, um, you know, they, they had too many, uh, you know, serious guys and, and kind of ornery guys. And, and um, I feel like this, like, you know, even just the, the additions, we'll, we'll see how they end up panning out and, and, you know, what they have left in the tank, you know, with a guy like Nick Batum or uh, Luke Kennard, if he can stay healthy, but like, I feel like all these guys are high character guys and, and guys who have different personalities than some of the personalities that were on the team last year. Um, and, you know, they, they kind of have gone away from that junkyard dog mentality uh, that they had the, the past couple of years. Um, but I, I think there, there are some benefits to that. And, and I, I think that could come with s- some better team chemistry. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think for this team, it, it's the regular season. Uh, doesn't really matter. Like I think it matters in establishing chemistry and continuity and and getting on the same page and, and really hitting a nice groove. But like whether they're the one seed or the five seed, um, you know I, I think this team could beat anybody. And um, it, it's really just about getting to the playoffs, having you know the the necessary on court reps, and, and then you know playing who's in front of you. But um, you know I, I think as long as they're not playing. The Lakers, like I, I don't see how you would pick any other team in the West above them in, in a series. And then even if they are playing the Lakers, again, I think they match up better now um, w- without all that size in there that, that you know, to kind of protect the rim and, and bother Kawhi and PG uh, on drives. So um, I think, you know, maybe w- with a move or, or just staying pat, they are the, the better L.A. team. So um, that, that's all I'm going to be watching for all season. And, um, you know, I, I think. It really is just about build, building the, the chemistry and continuity and getting those reps. And I think if they do that, they'll be fine regardless of seeding. Yeah, I think the Lakers lost a lot defensively with losing Dwight Howard, losing, obviously, Avery Bradley, who, I mean, good, bad, indifferent, whatever you want to say about him. And then, of course, you lose some other guys that, that help you out defensively. It just seems like bringing in a guy like Montrez Harrell is not really the answer. So it'll be interesting to see. Jovan, man, it's it's not easy covering a team in general, but to do it during a pandemic is even harder where you don't quite have the access that you normally do and you still do a tremendous job. Man, a big thank you to you for hopping on. Where should people go to see you? I know it's at Yovan Buha on Twitter. Of course, sign up for The Athletic because, frankly, it is a great deal for all the content that you get. Anything else that you uh, want to promote? That's it. That's it. Uh, just social handle at Yovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. And then make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. Jovan, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Well, a big thank you to Jovan for jumping on once again. Love having him on. He just brings incredible insight. And he is not just a beat writer and someone that follows a team. He really knows his X's and O's. And someone that brings a unique insight and does do a tremendous job when it comes to the quote-unquote investigative pieces where he digs deep into the team. He does a really nice job, has a great pulse on the team. So please do go and subscribe to The Athletic and follow his work and read it and do anything that you can do to uh, help him out because he really does a great job and we want to keep those guys that are able to get that type of insight um, going and continuing to write those types of pieces and stay employed. So uh, before we say goodbye, a big thank you to all of you for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at BD Marcus. You can follow the Hoopball Clips Twitter handle. That's at Hoopball Clips. And of course, I I have to bring up our friends over at Manscaped before we say goodbye because It's unbelievable. It is the holiday season. We are just about a week and a half away from Christmas. We are in the middle of Hanukkah. Whatever you do celebrate, Manscaped wants to get you 
the perfect gift. Whatever it is, you've heard me talk about the Lawnmower 3.0 and what they have done to just perfect this electric trimmer. And I know some quarantine beards are getting long and perhaps you want to clean up upstairs, maybe downstairs as well. Lawnmower 3.0 is simply the best hygiene tool really for the modern man. It's a ceramic blade and skin safe technology. You're not going to get any cuts. It's unbelievable what they do to make sure that you can get a clean look and make it so easy, whether it's the light on the shaver that gives you a close shave, or you can even go into the shower and use it because it is waterproof and they have an incredible charger that is USB powered. So please get 20% off and free shipping with the code hoopball20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code hoopball20, whether it's just the lawnmower 3.0 or perhaps perhaps you want to go bigger with the perfect package 3.0 with the new and improved lawnmower, waterproof cordless body trimmer, the performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag. It comes with a crop preserver and crop, crop reviver. Unbelievable what they have for you. Head over to manscaped.com. Use the code HOOPBALL20. Now, before we say goodbye, we have one more game for the Los Angeles Clippers. The preseason wraps up on Thursday with a game against the Utah Jazz. That'll be at home. And then the Clippers will hit the road. The 22nd quote-unquote road game against the Los Angeles Lakers is how their season will tip off. After the Lakers, what is on tap for the Clippers? At Denver and then at home against the Dallas Mavericks on Sunday the 27th. So we'll come back at the weekend. We'll recap that Utah Jazz game and we'll look ahead to the season opener with the Los Angeles Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers. A big thank you to all of you who listen. Please continue to rate and review the podcast. Give us five stars. Leave us a review as well. Share with your friends and continue to subscribe. Just helps make this podcast grow. Big thank you to you, the listeners. I'm Brandon Marcus. Until next time, go Clips. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.